Hey, welcome America. I'm John Tobacco in for Greg Kelly tonight. I want to talk to you tonight about the FBI because something's happening here that needs to be addressed. And uh, let me just start out by saying this. I'm the son of a cop and I'm proud of it. 99% of the time I come down on the side of the blue. I back the blue, plain and simple. But there's something rotten in Denmark when it comes to the FBI. Now, don't get me wrong. I know the rank and file, the good men and women of the Bureau, they're good people. They're just trying to earn their salary and do their job. And they joined up, most of them probably, to keep America safe. I'm not talking about them. Not the rank and file. They're not the problem. I'm talking about the guys at the top. And as they say, the fish rots from the head. And the head of the FBI, this guy, Christopher Wray, and the small cabal of uh, America-hating elitists that work for him at the top of the FBI are pushing their upside-down, backwards priorities on the everyday working agents. They're showing the agency's priorities are just all screwed up. End of story. The FBI's priorities are obviously out of whack. How do you think regular FBI agent Joe or Jane feels when they're tasked with chasing down soccer moms at school board meetings, parents who simply want to keep their kids to go to school without being taught about how racist they are or reading some inappropriate sexual books? Let's take a look at this recent example of what the FBI spent their time doing. After months of surveillance and millions of dollars of our money, the FBI spent to crack the big case. They took down a dark, dangerous gambling ring in Long Island. Wait, maybe that's not quite true. But uh, isn't gambling even legal now? But uh, yes, the FBI said we're going to take down these scary poker playing paisans. And no, sorry, that's not quite true either. Uh, they spent all their time. They spent dozens and dozens of agents to bust a half a dozen guys wearing velour track suits. And these 70-year-old gulbas, what they're doing is they're playing a poker game. That sounds ominous. A poker game? Now, I'm sure you're sitting there screaming at your TV, tell me more, Johnny. But these criminals had the unmitigated goal to run a poker game out of a coffee shop and a shoe repair shop. And uh, this uh, must be a major threat to our society. Nine people with links to organized crime families are facing federal charges. Seven defendants appeared in Brooklyn federal court, including a Nassau County police detective. CBS 2's Hannah Klieger reports now on their alleged crimes. From several soccer clubs in Queens and Long Island to a cafe in Lindbrook, prosecutors say what appeared to be local businesses were actually covers for an illegal gambling operation that's existed for at least a decade. It says sports club, but it's a cover for a gambling operation. Uh, listen, here in New York, we know what the FBI really stands for. Forever busting Italians, as my friend Curtis Sliwa always says. But how can the good men and women of the FBI feel they're doing what's best for America when they're spending their time and energy focused on poker games out of the back of a shoe repair shop in Nassau County? Who's that helping? Are their heads really buried in the sand like that? Do they think the FBI... Those are the issues they should be focusing on? I mean, really? Or is this, on a bigger scale, the raiding of a former president's home over an archive paperwork fight again? Who is this helping? How are we keeping Americans safe by going through the desk drawers of a former president in search of yet another 
witch hunt. Keep in mind all this happening while the Hunter Biden laptop is somewhere in the FBI offices collecting dust, although no one is exactly sure where the laptop is. Come on, Johnny. You got to be exaggerating. The FBI, they don't, they don't know where it is. No, you heard me right. Just don't take my word for it. But the FBI honcho that I mentioned earlier, Chris Ray, take his word for it. Here's what he had to say about the whereabouts of Hunter's laptop. Do you agree that the Hunter Biden laptop was not Russia disinformation? Uh, now you're asking about an ongoing investigation uh, that I expect our folks to pursue okay. aggressively, and I just I can't comment on okay. that. Okay, and you possess the laptop, right? Uh, again, I can't discuss that in an ongoing okay. investigation. Okay. <laughs> Classic bureaucratic answer, but the uh, ongoing investigation is like somebody else taking the fifth. That's what they say to just shut you up. And he's got to protect himself after all. But uh, what about the... Uh, FBI's big cyber chief, who should know all about these hard drives and all this other stuff, he should definitely know where, where the laptop is over at the FBI, right? Wrong. You are the assistant director of FBI cyber. I want to know where Hunter Biden's laptop is. Where is it? Sir, I don't know that answer. You're telling me right here is that as the assistant director of FBI cyber, you don't know where this is after it was turned over to you three years ago. Yes, sir, that's an accurate statement. Shocking. But how do you think the rank and file people at the FBI feel when they know that Hunter's laptop has all kinds of information on it, exposing all kinds of crime and corruption, some of it linked to the sitting president of the United States, something that if it got in the wrong hands uh, would be far worse than the paperwork they're trying to chase down Trump for. Yet they bury their heads in the sand and, as leaders like Chris Ray blindly follow the words of Joe Biden, who's lying to us time and time again about the laptop, knowing nothing about Hunter Shady dealings, because, yeah, uh, let's just take a guy with a lying track record instead of, I don't know, investigating it. It's not like they're, they're the Federal Bureau of Investigations or anything like that, are they? <laughs> anyway, um, their supervisors are telling them to go out there and stake out a shoe repair joint in Long Island and arrest a half dozen octogenarians paying a poker game. And these days, it just seems like all the priorities are screwed up with double standards. They change the narrative along the way. On one hand, you're searching the president's home over a pillow fight with a leftist national archivist. Yeah, that's what it's about. This is a fight. With a, this is a fight with the archivist about what papers he wants back for the National Archives. On the other hand, a laptop filled with scandalous content linked to the current president, and no one blinks an eye. I guess that's what happens when you have an organization that takes its cues from a president who flip-flop every chance he can. Like, take even this most recent example of our guy, lying Joe Biden. He's taken to demonizing all MAGA Republicans... Here's what he said this week. The MAGA Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and economic security. They're a threat to our very democracy. But now, when questioned about it, he immediately backpedals. He starts doing the moonwalk. He reverses course and changes the narrative. Come on, look, guys. You keep trying to make that case. I don't consider any Trump supporters to be a threat to the country. 
What are we really to expect when the leader of the country has his own priorities upside down and backwards? All exemplified last night in his dramatic battle for the soul of America speech. Did he take time to talk about the issues actually facing Americans like you and I? Like inflation, soaring crime, our obliterated borders? No. He took time to turn it back on President Trump and all of us terrible Republicans. There's no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. So this is what it's all about, my friends, trying to make it so that Trump is seen as the enemy of the state. He's committed espionage for having documents in a desk on a properly patrolled by the Secret Service with a safe and a lock. And we've seen this movie too many times before. And let me just remind you, for every single one of them, the collusion, the Mueller, the impeachment one, the impeachment two, Trump remains undefeated. But while the FBI is telling America that Trump and these eight goombas in Massapequa plus 74 million Americans who vote red are domestic terrorists, we literally have hundreds of known actual terrorists pouring through our open borders. According to Customs and Border Patrol, they're coming in all the time. We'll have a lot more on that a little later on in the show. But for now, let's just do a quick recap for those of you keeping score at home. The FBI's mandate may be straight from Joe Biden. It's to focus on A, Trump. Seven uh, known Texas Hold'em hoodlums. C, 74 million of the rest of us who even dare to support Trump. We're the terrorists, the main threat to democracy, but the actual terrorists, the ones seeping through our borders, get a bus ride to New York. A greeting from a committee with cash and a free luxury hotel room and health care, and all this with 9-11 approaching. Americans in their homes are now being threatened with F-15 fighter jets by the president, but real terrorists get a free ride on the government dime. This country promised to never forget 9-11, and maybe it's time for the rank and file to rise up and shift their efforts to real national security issues like catching actual terrorists. For now, leave Trump and the rest of us America-loving people the heck alone. They need to check their priorities because enough is enough. All right, let's bring in someone who's gone head-to-head -head with the FBI for decades. Criminal defense attorney Jeff Lickman joins us right now. He's previously represented some pretty big names. Uh, John Gotti Jr., Joaquin Guzman, better known as El Chapo. And uh, Jeff, uh, thanks for joining us. How you doing, brother? Thanks for having me, John. So, Jeff, uh, I know you've gone nose-to-nose -nose with these guys in many of the cases you've been on. What's going on with this agency, in your opinion? Well, you know, there's always been some corruption um, within the ranks. I mean, we had it with uh, some mafia cases in the 90s where we found out that one of the supervisors was feeding information to one of his informants, um, a mafia killer, and he was killing his rivals with that information. And that led to a couple of acquittals. But what's happened, I think, since the Obama era is that the agency has become seated with more leftists, and now uh, it's gotten all the way to the top, as you correctly pointed out. I watched the monologue um, where you've got Chris Ray saying that the worst um, problem we have in America in terms of a, of a domestic terror threat is white supremacy, completely ignoring the fact that we've got millions of 
uh, of illegals pouring over our borders. Um, we've got, as you said, uh, dozens of, uh, of terrorists that have been captured. God knows how many that we've missed at the border. And also, you've got, I think I read that there were 30,000 uh, Mexican passport holders that have been caught with uh, Middle Eastern names. And so you know what those people are. And, and, and all we care about the FBI is wokeness, soccer moms, as you pointed out, um, and uh, white supremacy. They're not concerned about anything else but that in America. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to bite us at some point soon. So let me ask you this. Earlier this week, DOJ released this picture of documents that they seized at Mar-a-Lago, raised a lot of questions. Now this morning, a judge unsealed a more detailed inventory list of the items seized. Let's take a look at some of the groundbreaking, dangerous files Trump had at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, all different parts of Mar-a-Lago, including his office storage rooms with 87 magazines and newspapers, a book, five articles of clothing, gift items, 43 empty folders, classified banners, just to name a few. Uh, what's your take even on the picture, Jeff? Should they be showing evidence? Like, Well, I mean, you know, look, I, I have mixed feelings about this. Um, what I'm mostly concerned about is the election in 24 and the midterms coming up in a couple of months. And I feel like this is an awful distraction for America that's harming Republicans. I mean, look, Trump, uh, the way they handled this, the FBI, they didn't have to show these pictures. But certainly, if you read the affidavit, he had multiple opportunities to turn these documents in. His lawyer, one of his lawyers, was a talking head on a, on a TV network um, and has been out of law school just a handful of years, probably never tried a criminal case. It's providing a distraction, and it's allowing Biden to do what he did last night, John, which is to come out. And instead of talking about the two years in which he's basically destroyed America, now he can say, look at Donald Trump uh, with the documents, right. the top secret that didn't return, and look at his CFO got indicted uh, and convicted of tax fraud. It's not helping our side. And that's what I'm concerned about. Biden's polls have started to sneak up a little bit, despite right. the fact that the country is destroyed. Right. And, and whose right. fault is that? I, I hate to say it, but it's because of the focus on Trump once again. Jeff, uh, what advice would you give the Trump legal team right now? Well, the first thing I would do is get rid of the lawyers that have never tried a federal criminal case, which is probably most of them. I think he's got some experienced people there, but certainly not many. I think you've got to start to handle this stuff better. You've got to start being more intelligent. You cannot allow this type of thing to happen. It never should have gotten to this point. Um, now, I understand they were certainly surprised by the raid, but you've got to go to them and say, listen, we want no more uh, press releases. We want no more discussing this. We're going to work with you right now. We're going to resolve this, and we're going to be done with it. They, I don't think that they want to indict Trump, because if they did want to, I think they would have already. I think they want a Trump that's weakened, that's hanging in the wind, twisting in the wind, right. because that's going to help a guy like Joe Biden. Right. They don't want. They don't the want to. They don't want to actually try him. Nothing, John. He might win again, um, but so far he's kind of undefeated against him. Jeff, we got to leave it there. Jeffrey Lichtman, thank you so much, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, John. All right. President Biden failing to mention a number of real issues facing the country. We'll talk about some of those key topics and where the administration's priorities lie when Greg Kelly reports returns. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represented extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. And here, in my view, is what is true.
MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law. President Biden in that clip slamming millions of Americans in Philly last night. Biden's harsh words in which he stopped just short of calling half the country terrorist comes amid an alarming report about uh, the kinds of people crossing the border. Um, the headline reads, quote, uh, CBP encounters 100 on terrorist watch list at the southern border, half after entering illegally. And joining us now to discuss it is uh, former FBI agent, Navy SEAL, and author of Sheep No More, Jonathan Gilliam. Hey, Jonathan, thanks, brother. Good to be with you, my friend. Same here. Why doesn't uh, Biden and his administration, like Mayorkas and them, care about actual terrorists coming across the border? <laughs> because they want to destroy America. I mean, I know that sounds conspiratorial, but if you look at the reality of uh, the how the Democrats work when they get in power, they are doing everything they can to bring this country to its knees so that they can rebuild it into their ideological palace that they want, right, which is socialism which is a doorway to communism. And so that's the case. Um, they want uh, disruptions. They don't care about the border. Um, Joe Biden is all about lies. That speech that he gave last night, it looked like it was in Satan's palace. Shit. And all he did was talk about the American people who love the Constitution the same way the tyrant that our founding fathers uh, declared their independence from, the same language that that guy would have used. No doubt about it. Hey, uh, he did fail to mention a lot of, like, real issues in his speech when addressing the nation, uh, including the border, the cartels, flooding drugs into our communities, crime crisis, um, coupled with the headline we just discussed. Uh, does the FBI and the administration have their priorities mixed up, John? Well, let's look at these are two different things, right? The, the FBI, the, the agents that I know, they are concerned with that. They swear an oath to support and defend the Constitution, and they care about that. I know people don't think that, but the, the regular agents that are out there, the ones that do love the country, they do think th those are important. But when we look at the administration, I don't think, well, no, I know that they don't. But here's what you have to remember. This isn't just an administration. Uh, this is a criminal enterprise that also includes people at the top of the FBI, people at the top of the DOJ and the CIA, um, and uh, even some people at the top of the Republican Party. And these people are conspirators, as you can see, since 2015, carrying out the same process over and over and over again to get rid of Donald Trump. And now the same rhetoric they used against him, he's using against conservatives in this nation. It's crazy. Um, next, uh, the Department of Justice released this more detailed list of documents from Mar-a-Lago. Um, these are revealed as a federal judge weighs whether to appoint the special master Trump requested, and they want, they want the master to review the documents. Could the more details list uh, been released previously without any danger to the investigation on national security? 
Well, it, it all, you know, we don't know what was classified and what wasn't. You notice that it says classified markings, right? Because this could be an unclassed document, but it has one particular part of that that's referring to something that is or was classified. We don't know what Trump declassified when he left. He's the ultimate declassifier. We don't even know the process that it takes. It could be just a signature, and he says, I don't deem this to be something that's important. Um, and I'm sure he has people from those agencies that will give some pushback. But let me just tell you, John, you know, the, the fact that, that, that the picture was taken of this nonsense on the floor shows you exactly what the Bureau and the administration is trying to do. They're trying to convict him in the court of public opinion. So yeah. that, and that's why that speech happened last night, because they're trying to um, convict conservatives and people who support Donald Trump and Trump himself in the court of public opinion, so we'll uh, lose the election in November. I've never seen anything like that where the feds would show the documents that are supposedly so secret, um, but broadcast them to everyone. So it's kind of right. weird. But uh, And you also don't know what it is, John, because it's not cocaine or fentanyl where they can do a drug test. Right. You have no idea what they showed you. Most of that was empty uh, empty folders. Right. Crazy. Uh, JG, always great to have you on. Jonathan Gilliam, thanks. You got it, my brother. All right, coming up, let's talk uh, Clinton scandal. No, 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 not that one. Another scandal revolving around his presidential records. Can this old case be revived and used to Trump's advantage? We've got just the expert to talk to coming up next. Information. Truth. Is freedom. Is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. The world of politics is one that is filled with double standards and hypocrisy. And we've got another one for you tonight. Let's talk Clinton scandals. It was revealed years ago that President Clinton obtained eight years of audio tape by stuffing a recorder in his sock drawer. This became a court case sparked by the great conservative group Judicial Watch. And uh, historian Taylor Branch recorded 79 audio tapes between 1993 and 2001. These audio tapes recorded Clinton's thoughts, but even presidential events and phone conversations. It was even confirmed by the NARA that the tapes were never physically obtained by them. And the mind-blowing part of all this is the judge ruled in Clinton's favor, stating the former president's personal records are absolute and unreviewable. Seems to work for Bill Clinton, but not Trump. But then again, Democrats get away with just about everything. So we touched on this topic just a little bit last night with our legal panel, um, but now worth a little deeper dive, and we got just the person to talk to. Chris Farrell joins us now. He's Director of Investigations and Research, Judicial Watch. Chris, uh, welcome. Your reaction to the analogy here, you know, the judge said absolute and unreviewable. Yeah, Obama appointed judge Amy uh, Berman Jackson gave a ruling to us we had gone in trying to get records from Clinton, these, these tape recordings you're talking about. Judge comes back. I mean, we lost the case. The judge said, no, whatever the president designates as his personal records are his personal records. 
absolute authority, unreviewable by anybody, to include National Archives, Department of Justice. That's it. It's his. And so in this case, it makes eminent sense that President Trump, who tried to cooperate with the FBI, tried to cooperate with archives. They were at Mar-a-Lago. They asked him to improve the locks. Yeah. He cooperated. He met with them. His attorneys went back and forth. Look, they're his personal records. That's what every president is allowed to have. And if it worked for Clinton, it should certainly work for Donald Trump, except in the bizarro world of Merrick Garland. Right. So let's just say, hypothetically, Trump's lawyers do bring this up. Would this help him or just be ignored by the hypocritical left? Well, it's a, it's a court order from a judge in the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia it's a 10-year-old order, never appealed. There's no other case law on the matter. It stands as finished, established law. And there's a few sentences from Judge Amy Berman Jackson that, frankly, are real zingers that the FBI and Department of Justice should be very worried about because she made it very clear that there's no way in hell anybody can come back in and second guess what the president decides are his personal records or not. And the president has absolute authority in, the, in that regard, and he has absolute declassification authority. Right. And you, you touched on this in an earlier segment. You know, the president can, can declassify whatever he wants, and that's why in this phony inventory, you see things that say documents marked as right. secret. They're not saying that they are secret. They're saying that there's a marked as, so there's right. some portion marking on the document. It doesn't mean it's classified. If the president declassifies it, it is. Correct. Well, uh, thanks for breaking that down. Let's talk a, a little more about the uh, judge that's appointed here, Amy Berman Jackson. She was right. appointed by Obama. Um, was this considered uh, a partisan ruling? Um, what do we know about her? Well, I mean, she's an Obama appointee, and despite what the chief justice of the United States uh, says, uh, you know, just judges are appointed by Democratic and Republican presidents. And guess what? Surprise, surprise. Republicans appoint Republicans. Democrats appoint Democrats. It's, just, it's the way the system works. Um, you know, I don't think she's a controversial pick. Uh, and she has a long record on the bench. And in this case, she said Clinton had the right to keep all of his personal papers. Well, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Let's Trump hope. should be entitled to keep whatever personal papers he wants, period. So, so um, is there, uh, in, in your opinion, is there any way that they could just go in and lay on, lean on that statute, that uh, decision, and just say, hey, it, it fits this, it fits that? I mean, there's a certain little caveat or asterisk because the president has, President Trump has demonstrated that he previously he was trying to work with them. Frankly, he was being too gentlemanly. Uh, and he tried to go along and cooperate. And so now he's going to, in theory, he would say, look at this case from the Clinton tapes, and uh, I'm not willing to play ball anymore. And they'd say, well, why were you doing it before? And he could say, well, I was trying to be cooperative uh, until you guys turned the world upside down and tried to turn me into a criminal. Well, uh, no, you can't. And here's the legal standard that's been established. All right. Well, uh, we're going to have to leave it there for tonight, but uh, certainly said, sheds a lot of good light on things for us. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Really appreciate it, Chris Farrell. Thank you.
All right, the left is praising Joe Biden's speech last night, some even comparing it to Lincoln and FDR's. Uh, they're right about one thing. The speech was historical, historically divisive. We'll show you the most offensive moments next. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. Joe Biden's divisive speech, the battle for the soul of America, aired last night and is being hit with backlash from Republicans. That's for sure, rightfully so. Uh, as Biden used the speech to attack Republicans and ultimately declare all those who oppose him and his agenda, we're the enemy. Instead of addressing the real issues Americans all over the country are facing. Tell us about inflation, Joe. Soaring crime, soaring gas prices, the border crisis, rainbow fentanyl flying over the border. I mean, the list goes on and on. And Biden attempts to uh, reframe the upcoming elections as a choice between democracy and MAGA Republicans. This is sick. Watch. There's no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. Listen to me, my friends out there. Look me in the eye on this one. This guy's up to no good, and he just won't stop. Take another listen. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. I'll tell you what's not normal, him. Joining us now is Reagan biographer, presidential historian, and New York Times best-selling author of April 1945. Craig Shirley joins us now. Craig, welcome again. Thank you, John. Good to be with you. Same here. Uh, what is his obsession with MAGA, this guy, when he says MAGA Republicans? Is, is that a shot at anyone who supported Donald Trump? Is that 74 million Americans? Is he trying to provoke all Republicans or just really take the focus no. away from the damage he's done? Yeah, well, it's, to take, it's a bait and switch, like you said earlier, to take attention away from his many and myriad failures and focus attention on uh, Donald Trump, who's been out of office for two years. Uh, look, you know, I broke it down today. I'm working on an op-ed. I broke it down what Biden did last night. He attacked grandparents. He attacked military veterans. He attacked the handicapped. He attacked children. He attacked anybody who didn't sign on with him and the lunacy of his party. That's what he did. It's unprecedented in American history. This has to be regarded as the worst speech in American history, even worse than Jimmy Carter's Malay speech. No president has ever given a speech this bad, this rancid, this vile, this disgusting. So uh, th this will go down in history as the worst, bar none, speech in American presidential history. Coming from you, that means a lot. But uh, on the other hand, uh, Biden is, of course, receiving extreme praise from the left. MSNBC going so far as to compare his speech to Lincoln and FDR. Watch this. 
I said and the others said, I'm happy to be transparent about it to President Biden in the map room, uh, this is like 1860. This is like 1940. You know, you have to talk about the large issue in the room. And just as, as Lincoln gave the House divided speech, just as Roosevelt gave a speech on the State of the Union about the Four Freedoms, as you well know, 1941, you know, here is the time when President Biden has chosen. The point is that he realized that this is an historic moment. And what you what you heard, I think, comes out of that. Can can this guy be serious? I'm sure there's some yeah, there, professional I, decorum between guys like you and guys like him I, where you don't I, attack I know, each I know, other. Mike, what is I know, this? Yeah, yeah, John, I know Mike well. And I, I'm sorry, is that he is he's wrong. I won't question his sanity, although somebody should. Uh, but first of all, Lincoln's speech, House Divided, was in 1858 before he became president. And it was nothing as vile and rancid as what we witnessed last night nor FDR's speech in 1940 on the Four Freedoms. It was to warn Americans about the coming of Nazism and how they had to uh, strengthen themselves uh, and, and protect the, the Four Freedoms that he enunciated. But again, it was nothing as vile, crude, rancid, disgusting uh, as that speech was last night. As I said before, there's no speech in American presidential history right. that even comes close. To, to what he said last Let night. Let me ask you this. He ought you, to be ashamed. You, you, you're a presidential historian. You're a biographer. For, you've been around a lot of presidential events in your life and in the inner circle of them. Talk to me a little about yes. the imagery we're seeing here. Um, what does it mean when a president is standing there with two members of the military right behind him, illuminated in the podium in this, like, blood-red lighting. Uh, to me, it was really given off, like, an authoritarian vibe. Like, you see my guys behind me here. Um, he's I receiving agree. criticism for the Marines. Um, what do you think? It was, it was, it was Stalin-esque. Uh, the setting was. It was it was eerie and it was scary and it was vile. And those Marines had no business being there for a political speech. That was a complete abuse of power, uh, again, by Joe Biden. But who's surprised these days, John? I mean, he he you know, he abuses power like he's eating breakfast. Uh, so the, the fact that he had two Marines there that shouldn't have been there shouldn't is not surprising. But the whole thing reminded me of something something eerie and dark, maybe out of, uh, you know, the Soviet Union or uh, Mao Zedong or, or something like that, but definitely not American. Not, you know, you think about the great settings of Reagan, you know, with with the flag and with sky, blue skies and with, you know, a great blue podium together, a new beginning, things right. like that. Morning in or America. Presidents. <laughs> yes. That was like right. evening dinner with Satan. But, uh, Craig, we got to leave it there. Craig Shirley, thank you so much. You bet, John. Take care. All right. All right. It's time to take on the fake news. The worst of the worst. When we come back, Curtis Hawk. <laughs> you know who never takes a day off from work? Me. <laughs> no, but the fake news never takes a day off, so we won't either in calling it out. They continue to hit new lows, and I mean low, and they're spinning for Sleepy Joe. Who better to discuss that than the managing editor at uh, Newsbusters, Curtis Houck? Curtis, thanks for joining us tonight again. 
So the fake news is in overdrive this week, spinning out of control, covering for Biden every way you look, this time mocking us for being offended. He called Trump supporters a bunch of fascists. Take a listen to this. Maggie he did Hassan not even call said Republicans he's... fascists. He said he compared the MAGA philosophy to semi-fascism. He did not call all Republicans fascists. That's just not true. I'm sorry. It's not true. Don, I hear what you're saying and, and what you're trying to do. I'm telling you what Republicans hear when he's saying that. He's putting Is there us something all in- with the, with, along with Republicans' ear or, the way, or their interpretation because they cannot hear? Do they hear differently than other people? Don Lemon's a mentally incapacitated person. I mean, we all heard what he said. They can't look us in the eye and tell us we didn't hear what he said. How do they justify this, Curtis? Well, John Harwood was let go by CNN today, so you wonder if Don Lemon is next. Uh, That clip in particular is just incredible. Oh, you know, Joe Biden was rather just talking about the MAGA philosophy, or as Kareem Jean-Pierre has tried to do in the White House. MAGA office holders, you know, but really, of course, you know, who supports the MAGA philosophy and who supports MAGA candidates or office holders, MAGA voters, the MAGA movement, which is tens of millions of people, over 70 million people. So there's no other way around it. They're just splitting hairs here, trying to bend over backwards because they need to work into overdrive to defend Joe Biden because he's just mentally incompetent. And then two, because they have such venom for conservatives. I see that. Uh, one of the swampiest shows still on air, I call it Morning J.O. Um, they're getting their digs in at Republicans, too, all under the guise of uh, giving advice. If Republicans want to win, they have to, like, cut the umbilical cord between them and Donald Trump. The day has come. You've said for this, this period of time, when will Republicans wake up and realize that Donald Trump is political poison? What Republican out there, what conservative out there is thinking, yeah, this is the guy I want to follow over the cliff for another election? It really seems like their whole agenda is to try to get a Republican civil war going and make us turn on each other. What do you think, Curtis? I also think it's Joe Scarborough being bitter that he didn't have as successful as a pol- of a political career in Washington as he wanted to. I think that's the big problem. He's always been jealous of any Florida politician in particular that's had success. You know, he, he hates Marco Rubio. He hates Ron DeSantis. He wasn't a big Jeb Bush guy uh, because people in his state were more successful in life than he is. So I think that's part of it. But yeah. also, yeah. I, it, you know, it's offensive for him to just wave conservative around just like he's the arbiter of who's conservative and who's not. Yeah, no, no question on that one. And uh, I had Roger Stone on my other show, Wise Guys, here on Newsmax. And he told me that Joe Scarborough was at Mar-a-Lago every single day drinking drinks and trying to convince Trump to make him his vice president. And when he didn't get the nod on that, that's when he went bad. So uh, there's probably a lot of motives over there at Morning J.O. But uh, Curtis Half, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thanks, John. All right. So I've decided uh, to take Biden's insane $10,000 loan forgiveness into my own hands. See what I mean when Greg Kelly reports returns. You don't want to miss it. 
All right, welcome back. I thought we'd end the week uh, on a story that's kind of personal to me, right down to today, actually. So I'm getting ready for the big show today, talking to the Greg Kelly Reports team. They're awesome. We've been killing it. Every time I'm in for Greg, they treat me like a king. And I'm thinking, I'm going through some bills, and I realize I have to write a check for my daughter Ava's tuition to Marist College to the tune of $15,000. And I'm thinking, boy, I don't like that. And my daughter Ava's a genius, unlike her dad. She's on a scholarship, so it could be a lot more. But I got to send in a check. I brought the check with me so you could see. I uh, feel the pain, just like everyone else out there. And uh, God's been good to my family. So I have been fortunate to not make my kids have to take loans. And we try our best to get them through it. So shouldn't I get $10,000 back? And shouldn't everyone else out there who worked hard and paid for their college or their kids' college not to saddle them with that, shouldn't we get a $10,000 break? So I'm thinking, I'm writing out the check. And I said, you know what? I'm going to think about this all day, but do I really want to send this check in right now? No. Neither do a lot of folks out there. So I'm thinking, you know, I could be a wise guy, which I am on Saturday nights right here on Newsmax, uh, and just uh, take, make my daughter take out a loan for $10,000, and then it'll get forgiven, and then I only have to write a check for five. But I don't want to do that. So uh, what I decided is this. I'm going to take this check right here for $15,000. We're going to tear that right up. That's out the window. And what I'm going to do, and you might want to think about it also, is I got my handy-dandy checkbook right here. I'm going to write this one out to Marist College. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send them a little note, and I'm going to let them know that um, rather than spending all the money for the paperwork to do the loan application, and then my daughter gets the loan, and they forgive it, um, I'm going to cut all that out of the way. I'm going to take this check right here. I'm taking the $10,000 loan off the $15,000. I'm going to just send in Maris five grand. Let's see how that goes. I don't know. We'll see. I'll keep you posted if that works. But uh, the point is, a lot of us wish we could get $10,000 for those of us who don't have loans, for those of us who went to vocational school, for people out there that didn't go to college at all. Why do people who took on a responsibility and contractually agreed to pay, get a $10,000 break, and the rest of us working schmoes got to pay the whole bill when we can. It hurts, but that's where America is today. That's all we got for you tonight, folks, on Greg Kelly Reports. Thanks for watching. Thanks to you and the team for putting me up while Greg's been away. Don't forget, you can catch my show, Wise Guys with John Tobacco, right here on Newsmax, Saturday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, You guys have a great night and a great weekend. We'll see you here again on Greg Kelly Reports next week.